are now watching Music of Lifebloods Conversations from the Pit. Ladies and gentlemen, you have tuned yourself into another episode of Music of Lifebloods Conversations from the Pit. I am your very humble host, Dustin. Join with me, as always, Music the Lifebloods own third man in the field, Mr. John Carter. Carter, how are things? Great. How are you doing? I'm good. So we left the last episode on. We said, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to talk about the satanic panic and all of the, the, the music and metal funsies that occurred in the wake of the, the satanic panic. So... What's the band that immediately jumps to mind, or the album, I guess, that jumps to mind when you think of the satanic panic that lasted from early 80s all the way up through early 90s? <laughs> Motley Crue shot at the devil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, which is funny, because I got that hung specifically for this episode. I was like, I got to get it up, I got to get it framed, I got to get it on the wall. I oh, just yeah. got I just got this a couple days ago, so I'm super excited about it. But uh, yeah, shot at the devil which we touched base on it just a little bit at the very end of uh, the previous episode of Conversations from the Pit. So, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> they start the album out by talking about shouting at the devil. It's the, the sort of uh, proverbial fist, shaking your fist at the devil. Why do we think it got so associated with the satanic panic? What was uh, what, what was the impetus to it, do you think? I think it's a combination of things. It's uh, timing and, um, you know, it was the stuff that was the stuff that was going on in the news. And they were they, uh, they needed a scapegoat, really. You know, yeah. the, and, and Motley Crue, I, I honestly think there was people behind them in the promotion department or whatever you want to call it, PR that kind of like pushed them to do this in a way. Stoking the fire a little bit. I mean, a giant pentagram on the, on the cover of a major label album on the shelves. So everyone could see it at your local corporate record store. That's a huge (laughs) spit in the face of America. And like, you know, that's, that screams sensationalism. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I think of, you know, the, is it, well, is it a pentagram or a pinnacle? What's is pinna- it's a pentagram because is- it's upside down. I mean, technically a pinnacle is just a star in a circle, but like the way that you get, make the, the, the discernment is that like in Wicca, um, it's a pentacle because it's pointed up, but it's a pentagram because it's pointed down. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Right, but right. honestly, the word, Gram in Latin 
as far as I know, doesn't mean down, pointed down. Yeah, I mean, you got, you got Penta, you know, five points, blah, blah, blah. It's essentially, it's, they're both pentagrams, but a pentacle slash oracle, I've always kind of thought, you know what I mean? It's a pentagram oracle, so it's a pentacle. And the Wiccans, you know, with their, you know, cuckoo stuff that they like to, to do and, and whatever, they, I think they wanted to just make the difference. White magic, black magic. White magic's a pentacle, black magic's a pentagram. Oh, okay. So, All right. Nobody good. questions it. It's what, yeah, you know. good, good point. Well, I think when it comes to, when it comes to that specific imagery, I think everybody really tends to gravitate towards, well, it's a Baphomet, it's a goat. Uh, you know what I mean? That yeah. sort of thing. And there's obviously, there's a big difference. There's yep. a big difference between the two. The unfortunate thing sort of out there in the sort of lexicon of uh, sort of common thinking, you know, people tend to just kind of lump them all together sort mm. of thing. So I think that's that's what's interesting about Shout at the Devil as an, as an album. Because yeah. you look at the cover of it and mainstream sort of, you know, I don't necessarily want to call it strictly conservative America, but I would say specifically Christian fundamentalism and evangelism America at that time saw it, and they would probably just absolutely lose their shit. Mm -hmm. And that was probably the intended, I think, probably the intended, you know, the, what they wanted to have happen it's behind, the, behind the cover for, yeah. of the album. Yes, exactly. So it's a way to stir up controversy and you can sort of kind of remain, you know, like, well, that's not what it actually means. You know what I mean? But you mm -hmm. can still reap the benefits of the actual controversy itself. So it's interesting. I mean, that album specifically is interesting as hell because it's um, at least in my book, Shot at the Devil is a heavy metal album. Mm, absolutely. I think the I think the tendency for Motley Crue to always get sort of apathetically lumped into the quote unquote hair metal movement, which Too Fast for Love and Shout Out the Devil both. I think Too Fast for Love is a bit more sort of old school 70s glam. It's got that element to it. But yeah, at the same time, punk, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a very pronounced traditional heavy metal vibe to the album but anyway we'll get off on a tangent we'll get off on a tangent if we don't you know redirect early um i always think of number of the beast by iron maiden that's okay. the one that's the one that pops in my head all the time and then immediately i think the real hardcore people in the crowd are going to say king diamond and merciful fate mm -hmm. uh, specifically king diamond as a uh, quote unquote solo artist and I think the same thing too with with Abigail, which is funny because the music, the Lightblood podcast, I think it was at some point last year, Big Jake and I did an episode on them. And yeah. in them, we touched we touched base on uh, uh, we actually called my mom <laughs> and I, I talked to my mom and mom's got a bunch of degrees. Uh, she specialized in theology, divinity from Indiana Wesleyan University here in Indiana. And we talked a lot about the the sort of the hot button for the evangelicals probably at that time specifically was the the themes of possession that yeah. ran that ran throughout them as an album but i think as far as king king diamond albums go i think abigail is probably the high watermark 
And, yeah. and even there, the idea that you're that you're you're staking through the heart uh, a child that's been possessed by you know whatever whatever evil entity it is, and I think that in and of itself would probably be enough to to trip the wire of the the religious fundamentalists and the the evangelical the Christian sort of right wing at that time. But the the funny thing is that King Diamond wasn't as big as Iron Maiden and Motley Motley Crue was. So kind of doesn't get as much attention as what I think he should in mm-hmm. the, at least in that regard in and in, in as far as the discussion that we're having around the satanic panic. Yeah, I I think that with with King Diamond the fact that he was um D- uh, Danish, you know, and um there was more of a attention paid to what he was doing overseas and in the underground. Cause even though they weren't British, they were kind of uh, merciful fate was considered part of the new wave of British heavy metal um, sort of, you know, uh, aura and aesthetic, you know, they were, if you were, oh, in, sure. yeah, yeah. yeah, if you were yeah. into Venom and Angel Witch <laughs> and, and stuff like that, like you were aware of merciful fate because, a lot of people like like Lars Ulrich has always gone on record of being a gigantic Merciful Fate and King Diamond fan and kind of championed um, a lot of the things that King Diamond did in the in the early to mid '80s and uh, in interviews and stuff that I read when I was younger. And so it's weird that he didn't really break big in the states, but yet it, it makes sense at the same time, simply because it was kind of like okay. All we can really handle is Motley Crue and Iron Maiden with all the Satan stuff. You know what I mean? That's how it felt when I was a kid seeing it. You know, I'm like, you know, it was the really cool kids that were really into, into shredding guitars and like older kids in high school that like metal that knew about King Diamond. You know, kids like me that were in later middle school, early high school, we were into Motley Crue and Wasp and Kiss. Sure. And that that was our demonic looking bands that we were in, you know, at least from, you know, from my my uh my time you know and uh i knew about king diamond but i wasn't really super in the know and then the first album i ever heard by king diamond was conspiracy and it threw me off because the songs didn't really have a catchy verse chorus vibe they kind of meandered because he was oh yeah forward. yeah because you're you're cramming in this massive sweeping story arc yeah. into 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 what two sides of 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 an lp Mm-hmm. And you got it. You just got to get a lot of <laughs> plot stuff in there to be able to make it work. I think, yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like in one way, as it relates to King Diamond's catalog, he's he's really limited from a storytelling standpoint for the vast majority of his of his catalog because of the the time frame that you could only you could fit on an LP. Mm-hmm. That was it. That's why I think sometimes the storylines seem rushed, especially on the that first handful of albums before um, compact discs kicked in, because you get a bunch of more time on a compact disc. Yeah. What what what, what I thought was kind of weird the first time I really tried to get into King Diamond was he's telling a story, it's meandering, and then there's like what seemed like a five minute long guitar solo. I mean, don't get me wrong, they were awesome. I mean, like he always played with phenomenal musicians. I mean, he had Mickey D from Motorhead on drums for the longest time. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, Andy LaRock, is that his name? The, yeah, the uh, I think L-A-R-O-C-Q-U-E. Does that sound La- right? LaRoque, I guess. LaRoque, yeah. I don't yeah, know. I, I remember reading about him in Guitar Magazine and stuff 
when I was, you know, probably like in seventh or eighth grade and seeing his, his name popping up as honorable mentions and whatnot. And, uh, and like I said, a lot of the guitar guys I knew, um, were really into guys that were really into like playing guitar and shredding and listening to Joe Satriani, you know, and, sure. uh, Marty Friedman and everything. They loved King Diamond. But what was weird is like it, I didn't know about Merc- Merciful Fate until like after I knew about King Diamond and I shied away. I didn't really get into Merciful Fate till I don't know, maybe about, you know, 15 years ago. You know, I mean, you know, I was well, well I was almost 30 and it was like, oh, shit, Merciful Fate. This is way better than King Diamond. You yeah, know, my, you I know. Would, yeah, I would agree with that. I think I think, too, the the interesting thing about Merciful Fate is that. I I personally. I like a good concept album. I do. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. But I don't like the thing about King Diamond's catalog is that because the the storyline, the 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 narration, pushing the the plot points and that sort of thing, every song of King Diamond's catalog are so associated with the storyline. So that when you listen to just a single song off of an album just on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always kind of get the feeling like I'm missing something. You always yeah, want no. to, me, to me, you always want to listen. Like if I'm going to listen to, 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 to Welcome Home, I want to listen to the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. Because you can, you know what I mean? Because I want to hear the rest. I want to hear the rest of the story. It's like only watching five minutes of a TV show it, every, to, every time you sit down to watch the show. And eventually you're just, well, I didn't fucking, what's happening? You know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's yeah. disorienting, but that—that's why I like Merciful Fate so much, and I like, from a musical standpoint, as good as Hank Sherman and Michael Dinner are as guitar players. I like that they're working within the traditional sort of song format. Yeah. I like that because you mm-hmm. can listen to, you know, if you listen to just a single Merciful Fate song, it works better than just a single King Diamond song. Oh yeah. And two and two. Melissa is a really good album. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite actually. Melissa I mean, is. Yeah. I, I, I think you and I, you and I both really like nine, right? I love, yeah. Nine was really cool. And what, what was the one with just the black, the black cover with just the skull? Is it called time or something like that? It's just, uh, um, Oh yeah. 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 That's a great album yeah. too. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is like, I actually went on probably, um, this is probably about 10 years ago. I got on a big merciful fate kick and, you know, just kind of like crammed all their stuff. And one thing I noticed was from about, um, I think the album called the beginning on through till, uh, to nine, there was a really good consistency in the, the, the album production mm-hmm. and the songwriting yep. to where I kind of didn't know what album I was listening to when I was listening to it on shuffle. And so I really kind of liked the because in a weird way, not that they're the same type of music, not four chords or whatever, but like, uh, Merciful Fate was really kind of like an ACDC or Motorhead kind of metal band in that, like each album was consistent and I, to me, there was a definite Merciful Fate sound that they always captured and did right on every album. You know, yeah. I yeah. think that if yeah. you compare some of them side by side, it's, it's subjective. But I really like Merciful Fate for that. And two things I love that they, that they do that you wouldn't find together. One, a traditional song 
you know, sounds and structure, like the guitar solos, very, very rock and roll compared to the solos are very like kind of classic rockish and really cool, like stop on a dime changes. Like the first two songs on Melissa, they've got awesome, like, you know, they'll be like rocking, like, like, you're like, oh shit, this is like, you know, I didn't expect that. And then it goes into a fast part with a solo right after that. And yeah. it was just, it was awesome. I, I was hooked on that album for sure. I always think of Megadeth when I talk about like stopping on a dime. And okay. Then, you know, it's when I, when I listen to Met, when I listen to Megadeth, I specifically think of Gar, their first drummer. Um, yeah. The way Garth played, it was almost like you could hear him shoving the, the gear shift into gear and then stomping on the pedal, you know, stomping on the accelerator and then boom, the music takes off. It's almost like that change of gear, that process of of stopping and moving to something else is just as important as the 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 music that um, comes after it. That yeah. that uh, that that not only precedes it but also follows it. It's it's neat because that sort of gear shift change is it's not always easy for metal bands, specifically older metal bands, to be able to do it in a way that is compelling and you want to listen to it. It's yeah, that's inter- I think of um, like Devil's Island. Yeah, on, I got another on, example too. But yeah, on, for on sure. peace on peace cells where the the double bass section that kicks in at the very end of the song. The 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 section leading up to that is just as dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's, it's neat from that. And when I think of when I think of Merciful Fate, I I sort of think of that same sort of thing. Skull Beneath the Skin by Megadeth mm. um, is very Merciful Fate influenced. And if you listen to Hangar 18, when it goes down to the den and then stop and then change it goes into like a solo. And then goes back and forth. Marty Freeman does the solos, and then you know what I mean. Like I, my, my son retarded right now, but you know what I'm saying. Like it goes into like a cool groove, and then it goes back into a solo. There's stuff yep. like that between Denner and Sherman all over the first album. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you listen to stuff like "Don't Break the Oath," mm-hmm. you know, I think I th- I think the original run of the band is is badass. But there are times where I'll argue with myself that reunion and post reunion, it's it's I I think it's it could there's potential for it to be better, you know. Yes. Especially nine. Now, I think Dinner, Sherman. Okay, Dinner was the one that King couldn't get along with in the original run of the band, and then Hank Sherman, and and he had a disagreement with King in the way Michael Dinner were wanting to do things. Po- reunion and post reunion. I think it might be the other way around, but don't don't quote me on that because I might have a I might have it wrong. Um, it's hard because there's overlapping members and Merciful Fate and King Diamond, and there's it's kind of like an incestuous sort of band lineups yeah. things like that. But but I think I think it's neat when you get to like nine nine specifically nine. Oh my God, it's badass! It's yeah. absolutely incredible that album. They hit the fucking nail on the head, and it's over. It's an overlooked album, just the same as like the late, the later Motorhead catalog gets overlooked as well, it because it's because yeah. it's not it's not Filthy Animal and mm-hmm. Eddie, you know. But but like Inferno, Infer to me, Inferno is the best album Motorhead has ever released. Period. It's better it than Power. Yeah, 
it's better than ace of spades it's it's like better well another perfect day but pfft, you know what i mean mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody's gonna talk about brian robertson and kind of shit all over it all the time but anyway anyway we go back to the the satanic panic um uh venom mm-hmm. i feel i feel like we should talk about venom a little bit i would love to i love i fucking love venom <laughs> see i can't i'm not Look, I'll give, you know, Venom get props for sort of creating black metal, in my opinion. Um, but also, I I think you, I think it's important to also mention Bathory in the same breath. Mm-hmm. Because I think Bathory fine-tuned black metal, and it, moreover, became the sort of template for what would come in that first and second wave of, of black metal stuff. Oh, I think for sure. People don't talk about Bathory enough, but Bathory is much lesser known than what Venom is, at least here in the United States. Now, I don't, I don't know if like when you walk, you know, walking down the street somewhere in Europe, how many people are going to know Bathory versus Venom? I, d- I don't, I don't know if it's going to be more or less, but anyway, yeah. Well, yeah. Venom, Venom. Bathory, uh, Bathory never performed live. I heard that recently. Yeah, I don't um, think so. Yeah, and the reason, I honestly think that the reason why um, Venom overshadowed Bathory was because Venom toured their asses off. They, yeah, they, they did. Yeah, yeah, that famous yeah. concert with yeah. Ex, what was it, like Exodus and Venom and somebody else. It was that VHS that was always available. It was, uh, I want to say it was Slayer, Venom, and Exodus. That, did you ever okay. see that? No. Amazing. No. Oh, yeah, it's might not be Slayer on there, but the, but I know Venom and Exorcist were on there. It was like it was the uh, um, was it a tour? It, like a like a home video for a tour? Yeah, I believe so. I want to say it was filmed at like the L.A. Palladium or something like that or whatever. Look oh, it up on YouTube. It's okay. fucking sick. It's some of the best like live Venom footage. But I mean, Quothorn, like he after uh, after the, Cor- the first three is albums. It, it Cor- is it Corthon? I always say it Corthon. You might be right because you're smarter than me, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, I just like, you know, I regurgitate stuff. I read quickly. Um, but, uh, I mean, he went the first, to me, as far as Bathory goes, I love the first three albums. Cor- you got Corthon. the self Corthon. Corthon. Good. We'll good. get that. You'll get the true cult people giving us shitty comments. When this airs, I'm going to have so many people I know, fucking just <laughs> disowning me has ever you know but uh um but yeah the, the first three albums you got like the self-titled you got the return and then you've got um uh the beneath the 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 black mark i think it's called with like the um the guy with the goat head standing on the cliff and then after that you've got blood blood fire and death which is when they start to go into like the epic sort of like viking metal thing and then after that Sorry, yeah. to me it goes kind of downhill as far as traditional Bathory. But going back and listening to some of that mid-era Bathory, it's as a different band, it's still good. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie. And when he, the last three albums that um, that he did, I, I want to say were like in the early 2000s or late late 90s, were fucking great. They were. I mean, they're never gonna touch you know the return or the first album. But I mean, you know, I just I like to listen to to it for what it is. And just like with Venom, when Kronos left, you know, they did some albums that people people some people didn't even know that Kronos left. 
you know, and I didn't fucking know it until after I owned their whole discography, you know, and then this Venom Inc. shit happens and everyone's saying Venom Inc. is better than Venom. But at the same time, though, me, to me, Kronos was like the Lemmy of Venom, you know, and, uh, you know, he was a big influence on my bass playing, which you can tell because it's absolutely fucking horrible i mean he he sounds like you know i i thought i thought for a moment that like jerry only played bass for venom because when i first heard uh black metal and welcome to hell to me it's i've been into the misfits before that to me it reminded me of uh of earth ad and evil live the way it sounded like just the the fucked up just bass feedback everywhere and shit i loved it i mean i loved the chaos and the noise of Venom. And and little side note, I think the reason why um, Venom and uh, uh, Venom and uh, Angel Witch and some of those other Nwabum bands that were very satanic get kind of like considered non-black metal is only because you have like Norwegian and Swedish black metal that happened that was a totally different style, but that became a bigger thing. A lot like bands like Venom you know, and even to a smaller extent, like Angel Witch and that, they actually kind of sort of had the mentality like, well, we want to be a big band. But like the the black metal audience, like in Norway and all that, I mean, you know, you, you kill your singer. Obviously, you don't have any aspirations to be James Hetfield. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I think that's the difference between like uh, what black metal became and what black metal started off as. And I don't well, think why, black- why, why why do you think as as it relates as it relates to the you know because I want to at least weave a thread through the episode yeah I'm gonna as, get off it, right a as it as it relates to the the satanic panic I feel like we don't talk about black metal well you know I, I, because or did it is it just something completely different because when you talk I remember when the when all the shit with the West Memphis three was going on. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I don't remember hearing anybody talk about mayhem or no. or or I don't know. Was Gorgoroth around by that point? Yeah, you know, I mean, or they were or, afraid of I don't, DC. I, and yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember Venom or Mayhem or any of like or Bathory or any of those bands coming up when the West Memphis Three shit was happening. You know, well, when it was really really going on. Let's consider the source of the paranoia. You get these backwoods inbred redneck hillbillies in what in in tennessee that did not have access to anything underground or cold. yeah and that's that's kind of that's kind of what i'm thinking of there because when you talk about the satanic panic it's sorry i gotta move that when you talk about the satanic panic you there's a very sort of specific group of bands you talk about mm-hmm. and there's not a lot other than that you know, it's it's Motley Crue, it's Iron Maiden, Venom, Venom's name will come up, and then it's, it's Slayer. like King Diamond Slayer, maybe Kiss, Creatures of the Night era. Yeah, well, you there was a on, on that documentary, Escaping Satan's Web, the Satanic Panic propaganda film. They show a picture of Cawthorn, Cawthorn, um, uh, <laughs> popcorn. <laughs> Your mom, I don't know. Keep, but uh, they they show they show real briefly a picture like a famous like a I can't remember if it was a video still or whatever of him on his knee with holding the guitar and his hair down on his face, real right. blurry, right? So they show a flash of him 
in that when they're showing a little collage of everything, like right. snippets from the freaking looks that kill video and, uh, you know, and like live footage of, of wasp, you know, and then like slight, you know, slight, like Carrie King smashing a guitar, you know? And, uh, I think the, the reason why they don't go deep is because for the same reason why, when I was growing up, like in middle school in the eighties and nineties, you had the big four, you know what I mean? Megadeth, Anthrax, Slayer, and Metallica. Yeah. And then you had the fringe bands, right? And the way, reason why we got the big four was because of Thrasher magazine, because of Headbangers Ball, because of Metal Edge magazine, where when these when these mainstream-ish media outlets allowed the sort of sketchy metal to kind of come in, you know, and they and they acknowledged it. And so, okay, we're gonna give you these. And so honestly, to me, though the big four were my gateway to like you know, Exodus, Forbidden, Violence, um, you know, even, you know, even to like, if it wasn't for the big four, I wouldn't have got into New York hardcore because the New York hardcore scene intermingled itself with crossover thrash. And with the big, big four to me, it like, it was my gateway to thrash and then crossover and then punk and so forth and then back around to hardcore. So from my perspective, living in a small town in Iowa, like I said, I, I got like, I got the magazines that were at the local grocery store and I got Headbangers Ball. And you got what the mainstream media allowed to what they were wanting to sell. And I don't care what anybody says, a lot of even these 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 scary metal bands, they were still part of the corporate rock machine. So certain bands got picked yeah. to be shown to the public. And that's yeah. that's why nobody really went deep into like, you know, we're gonna show people satiricon, you know, from you know, nineteen ninety one, you know, be afraid of these guys, you know. Right. But, well, so that that just means and it's symptomatic of their their own level of exposure then yep yeah so well then that means i mean obviously the the at a at a passing glance you know the the sort of sociological biology of of the satanic panic is, is that their their the the sort of thesis that they're putting forward from the the evangelical conservative community, quote unquote, whatever you want to call it at that time, is that their their understanding is just as superficial as the depth of the artists that they're willing to uh, pin that pin that sort of label on. You know what yeah. I mean? Because so those bands have more to lose than say you know, dark throne or, or yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So what's, so the, the follow that line of thought, play it through, Mm -hmm. you know, go down that line of thought a little while. So realistically, realistically, that means that their, their goal is only within um, it's, it's, it's only within that sort of main mainstream quote unquote music apparatus, those, those bigger bands, right? So yeah. those are the bands that they've set their sights on. So realistically, there could be a, a connection between the proliferation of black metal at an underground level over over X many of years, because I, in my opinion, had 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 the, the religious groups really latched onto and got a hold and knew about what was going on with black metal. Black metal may have been discovered earlier had that been the case and it could have potentially, it could have altered the trajectory of the genre as a whole. 
there's there's potential there's potential for that to have happened because once you shine the light on black metal the the it it blows up at that point mm-hmm. because the, the controversy attracted a bigger audience obviously you know you hear about this band that the bass player stabbed the singer and the 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 or the the guitar player sorry and then the singer commits suicide and everybody's talking about mayhem Mayhem mm-hmm. is the kind of buzzword on everybody's lips on like the, the cover of Spin magazine, that sort of thing. What if what if you pulled back the veil to see black metal just a couple years earlier than what we got it, than when we got it? Does that what does that do? And how does how did the the how does the like I said, the so the sociological biology, how does that change? Does it intersect with the genre in a way that it changes the genre forever? And it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's a strong enough of a collision to cause the, to, to course change, so to speak. I mean, if <laughs> at the time when they were exposing, um, you know, uh, I, I not really exposing, but sort of trying to exploit Slayer and Wasp and Motley Crue and, and that for being, you know, the downfall of your children and whatnot, what was going on or what was about to go on or was, bubbling up overseas um would have completely blown the minds of the pmrc in that yeah that's yeah yeah the the thing of it is over in finland in norway and sweden they're not as uh they're not as christian as we are over here though that's just the thing there are a lot more i've talked to people from finland and norway and just random parts of scandinavia and like Black metal was allowed to flourish because there wasn't so much of a, you know, social religious persecution as there is in the States. They don't, they didn't have the Bible belt in the South. Like, like, like we do here. That's, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with you. Okay. I'm going by what I've, what I've told. I mean, they, they're not like Finland is not a very, you know, hyper Christian country. And there's a lot of a lot of Finnish black metal. Yeah, from- but a lot of the a lot of the the sociopolitical commentary of black metal has a lot to do with the resentment of of having their their sort of the tribalist the 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 tribalist culture and ethics and and sort of borders language and culture that come around heathenry you know what i mean yeah yeah and, and how and how uh the christianity uh, christianity as it proliferated and spread across europe the there's a lot of that that sort of resentment with that specifically well, having that part of our quote-unquote heritage don't know any other word for it no, yeah, i'm kind of being pushed pushed on the by the wayside that's a lot of the themes of black metal on top of that, that resentment towards the, the, the spread of Christianity on top of Mm -hmm. that, the, the nihilistic element that, that, that no, that essentially no life is sacred. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then on top of that, how that sort of manifests in sociopolitical commentary and the obvious, the, the differences between Europe and the United States are, I mean, it's it's like a 180. It's completely different. They have a completely different sort of 
history to all of those countries, you know, they see World War II completely mm-hmm. different than yeah. the, we, the way that we saw it, that sort of thing. There's just all kinds of these weird sort of uh, things that collide with 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 the the history of Europe that is completely different than here in the States. So mm-hmm. as, as it relates to the satanic panic, I don't know if, I, I don't know if you would have the same sort of over the top surface based uh uh denouncing of of what the bands were doing if it was black metal that was the focus of the satanic panic cuz i i think if that was the case it would have been it would have been way more severe well see there you know, was than, than what yeah. than what actual the actual evangelical reaction to Motley Crue and Iron Maiden and all those bands what it was if it was black metal they had focused on I think it would have manifested the satanic panic would have manifested itself way differently way differently let's put it this way okay there was a comparison that I I really wish I had my source on this one but anyway okay you in the in the south certain small towns in the south or certain certain areas in the Midwest, where there's not a lot of um, cultural diversity, right? You're going to find these white power dudes that are going to be dropping end bombs left and right and attacking, you know, just kind of whatever. But if they were in the inner city, they couldn't do it. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. if they were in a place that was more culturally diverse, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. It's, it's like it's easier. Okay, we don't have we don't have the opposition, the thing that we say we hate. It's easy to hate it and be extreme about it because we're not because it's it's safe. We're not going to get it. It's like this really really weak way of doing it, right? Sure, so sure. think about from what I've heard that Finland and parts of Norway where it's more based on like uh, the old ways, you know, the um, the the Germanic paganism or you know stuff like that. Northern Northern European religions. Um, you have Christianity, but you don't have the massive oppression that say like this in the South. So it's easy. Okay. It's like, they can come out and say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to wear, you know, uh, a, are, you, a are you saying, are, are you saying the oppression left over from the oppression as it relates to what? Okay. Let's okay. Let, okay. Let's say if, if you're, you're in, you're, you're in the middle of like an empty warehouse and you're just kind of like, I fucking hate this person, this person, this person. I want to fucking kill them. But you walk out that empty warehouse, this person, this person, this person's right, right there next to you. An extreme person would like still say fuck you, or a non-extreme person would like they wouldn't say anything. You know what I'm saying? So it's like if you're not getting, it's easy to go. Well, I'm gonna drink blood and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna say fuck Jesus, this, this, and this because it's not here. But like it's like it's easier to for them to get away with what they're doing because it's not there's not a church on every corner you know what i'm saying like, i get what you're saying yeah okay i mean you're I'm, talking I'm, about I'm, the the having having the presence of that which you oppose bingo is not, yeah is not is not as prevalent that's in why europe. those pockets of europe were more extreme because you couldn't do what like you know what mayhem and burzum and emperor and stuff were doing you know, in the early nineties, let's say in North Carolina, you know what I mean? Because, you know, there's some people that probably were, but they, they're keeping it totally hush hush in a basement somewhere. Right. So my theory has always been that like, okay, yeah, they're more extreme with it because they're more free to do it. They're more free, you know, like, 
you know, band, bands like, like, like Marduk, for instance, you know, and, and these bands like from Sweden and even like even Watain, they could say, you know, um, really super blasphemous things about Mary's vagina. And, you know, people are like, oh man, you're extreme. You're like punk rock. But here in North Carolina, you know, you say that and like there's people that I work with that if they if they hear that you're that you're not Christian or you don't go to church, you're a fucking pariah. You know what I mean? But in other countries where it's not so bad, they tr they tend to get away with it more. That was you know, that's why Norwegian and Swedish black metal was so much more fucking extreme than, say, like Texas black metal. With bands like Blackthorn and Niog Bliss and that, okay. you know what I'm saying? So there's where, there's where you're where you're talking about the 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 level to the level of intensity. Yeah, is is uh, sort of monitored yeah. by by the by the social setting mm -hmm. that's that's around whatever whatever the the whatever the the black metal is wherever it's at. Yeah, to crank it up more because they can fucking they can get away with it more. You know what I mean? That's essentially so what I'm trying then, to say. Well then then if that was the case, then then black metal may not have been able to happen if it was in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it's it, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's kind yeah. of what I'm trying to like eventually get point. at my slow moving vehicle. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a that's a that's a fair point. It's a fair point. I just I'm curious I'm curious about the you know the because I don't, I don't, you didn't, you never heard like Billy Graham talking about Gorgoroth. No. You know, or, <laughs> or, or even, or uh, even Venom or Angel Witch. Jim Baker was his name. Jim yeah. Baker. Like uh, Jim Baker. And, yeah. And yeah, then there yeah. was a guy, um, he has a famous interview with Boyd Rice um, when he was, uh, when he was a, uh, a reverend in the Church of Satan. Um, his name escapes me. He's a, he's a famous, um, a radio host and he was very very much uh, a resource of like of propaganda during the satanic panic um there's probably some people screaming at their phones right now um he's got an there's a famous interview with boyd rice and i think he also interviewed uh nicholas shrek and xena shrek and other people that were like related to anton levey um there was a lot of that going on and people that listen to conservative uh talk radio would hear these interviews with like, we have this, this youth that uh, was possessed by Satan, but he's found his way. And he's going to tell us about the rock music and the, and the role-playing games he played that got him into Satan and how he got out of it. And we've got a, you know, a cautionary tale for youth listening right now. There was so much of that going on. And I remember specifically when I was starting to get into Motley Crue, it was after girls, girls, girls came out. My room literally was covered in Motley Crue, Wasp, Kiss, LA guns, anything with like black hair and black clothing that I could get, get my hands on. And, uh, they had the satanic panic thing with Geraldo Rivera on TV and it was on 2020. They had a thing about back masking in music and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, and my mom has always been super cool about buying me whatever music I wanted to. She's always been super supportive, you know, cause she was always a fan of music too. Although hers was, you know, Michael Bolton, meatloaf and Barry Manilow. And, uh, you know, she would buy me whatever albums I wanted, you know, and it was, it was great. But she, after she watched that 2020 thing, she asked me about Motley Crue and she asked me about some other stuff. And when I was in seventh or eighth grade, I was able to give her what I knew about the history and about Motley Crue and all their albums and this, this and this and kiss and what, whatnot. 
And my mom was concerned for a little bit, but then at the same time, she was the kind of parent that she was like, okay, well, my son's a good kid. I'm just going to monitor it, you know, and uh, it's a done deal, you know, because we were, I was raised Catholic, but we weren't super, you know, hot, you know, high profile in our church and whatnot. So it was kind of like, but I had friends of mine around me that were kids that were talking about getting their, their Motley Crue tapes thrown away, getting their striper tapes thrown away because it says hell and devil on the album cover. Oh, right on. I mean, I, I grew up, <laughs> dude, it was so awesome for me. I, I grew I was in middle school in the late eighties during the satanic panic. And my sister had these friends that would come around the house with like iron maiden back patches on their, on their jackets and stuff. And, you know, my sister was listening to theater of pain. I, I remember seeing the pentagram on the, you know, on the mask. And I was fully aware of, of devil worship in, in heavy metal. I was scared shitless of it, yet I wanted it. And I remember when I first acquired a copy of Rain and Blood, laying in bed and listening to that album in the dark, in, you know, in the basement, it was just, it creeped me the fuck out and I wanted more, you know what I mean? And that's the adverse effect of stickering albums and warning kids. Cause all that did was just get kids more and more into it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't touch that. Stay away mm-hmm. from it. Don't look at it. It just makes you more curious about it. Yep. It's the, I wonder too, if, you know, if, if the PMRC didn't sort of fuel the fire when it relates to the, as it relates to the satanic panic too, because you, mm-hmm. I mean, you would almost have to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Venom was on what they call it, um, the f- Filthy 15, I think. Yeah. Uh, the 15 song. <laughs> Venom was on there. But, uh, you know, it's it's funny yeah. because the Sabbath was on there, Venom. Uh, there was a Prince song, Cindy Lauper. Um, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of like, and some of them were like, are you kidding me? You know, mm-hmm. but, but the fact that Venom is on there, I think it's interesting. Like we were talking about earlier, why wasn't it Bathory? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you're, because as a, as a metal fan, you go, you you want to kind of root for your band. You know what I mean? Like Venom's good, but why didn't you put a Merciful Fate on there? You know, you know that sort of thing. Because there was a, the, for the for the for the young people that really latched on to the, the the subculture of metal, you know, because it's 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 very different than punk rock. It's mm-hmm. very, very different than punk rock. There's, I mean, there's some, there's some commonalities and stuff like that, but metal, metal as a culture is just structured much, much different than what punk rock is. And I think I sometimes wonder if the, as a, as it relates to the satanic panic, like you were talking about, don't touch that. Don't look at it. Don't go near it. You just want to do it more. So when somebody mm-hmm. says Iron Maiden or satanic, you just, I like, oh my God, I want to get, buy, buy me yeah. all the Iron Maiden albums. I want to get them all because Satan, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder from a sort of, from a cultural standpoint, is it, were the kids, you know, were the young people at that time, were, did they legitimately like the music or did they like that they were engaging in what was seen as taboo? I think it's a, probably a lot of the latter like sadly it was a lot of the latter there was a lot of surface shock value because it was an era of hit singles you know yeah and at the same time too it was like i want to wear the shirt i'm free people i want to dress like this 
Last week I had, you know, my hair combed to the side and a polo shirt. This week I've got a dog collar and a black T-shirt, you know, with a, you know, a, a Motley Crue shirt on or whatever. Because, you know, it's just there was so much of it that was very, very – even dating back to the 60s. I mean, you got people that like, okay, I see these guys with these shag haircuts. What's their deal? They look awesome. Girls like them. I want to dress like them. Oh, there's yeah. music too. And that's, that's kind of how it happens. I think, I think that happens with a lot of people in just about every genre of music. They're attracted to the look, you know, like, Oh, what's going, you know, what's going on here. And then, I mean, cause with MTV rock videos, you yeah. know, it's a, it's a yeah. visual before yeah. that in the seventies, you had no idea that Steve Miller looked like a, a chubby trucker. You know what I mean? But you, but you loved his music. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you right. know, or like yeah. as yeah, Kiss would always point. talk about like, you know, bands like Emerson, Lake and Palmer go on stage just like they just got off work. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So the Eagles, I always think of the Eagles. The Eagles always dressed terrible. I they just want like, to punch each they of them in the like, face. <laughs> yeah. They look like a bunch of fucking louses. Like mm-hmm. pre iron your shirt, Glenn Fry. Get your get your shit together. You yeah. got you got people paying good money to come and see you. Get it. Get your act together, man. Nice football. I, well, I sometimes, you know, if you again like follow that line of thought too. I, uh, you know, I sometimes wonder if, well, do we like Number of the Beast because it's such a good album, or just because of the aura around it? You know what I, I mean? I thought it was a good album after I saw the video for Number of the Beast and Run to the Hills. Right. And then, oh shit, there's more songs that are just this badass. Sweet. Yeah. But I, mean, I think the, pri- the prisoner's on that one, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Dude, even like what, 32 Acacia Avenue or whatever it's called? 22. 22. Yeah. The, 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 the hooker song. Yeah. Is I that, mean, was that on Peace of Mind or Number of the Beast? No, that, that, that was definitely on Number of the Beast because the, the music is awesome. Yeah. Feeling down, depressed, and lonely. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a without having the catalog in front of me, I guarantee you that's a that's an Adrian Smith guitar line. That's Adrian. That's probably something Adrian Smith wrote. It's just, I mean, the thing of it is, like when you the whole album that's that song stuck out like a sore thumb to me, simply just because of the 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 subject matter. You know, I mean, you got Prisoner, which was based on a movie, apparently, you know, and you had Run to the Hills and all those other great songs. But which kind of brings me to the next point is like what you're talking about, the difference between punk rock and metal. You in metal, metal was almost kind of like a holdover or a or a evolution from classic rock. Classic rock got bigger and louder, more dangerous. People wanted to up each other. There was still this underlying uh, sort of want to be successful and famous and make a living off of your music. Oh, sure, yeah. You know, yeah, the Ramones, especially. Yeah. You can see, you know, the Ramones were just as guilty as a lot of bands of trend hopping and trying to do mm-hmm. something that they knew would sell records. You know, I, was, I mean, that's fucking look at end of the century. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it. You're not going to tell me that wasn't a grab at trying to get something on the radio. Phil this- Spector did that album. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Him, you and know? His, him and his awesome wig. Yes, of course. Pre-shooting people in the face. <laughs> right. Is he the one that shot somebody? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I thought it. I thought of Dick Cheney for a second. <laughs> well, he did too. <laughs> <laughs> like they were, ah, ah. Yeah. Tex Watson, Dick Cheney, you know, 
all those fellas shot people in the face. You know? That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> eh, you know, but uh, but the thing of it is, like you were saying, and I think the, the, because of that is you would find more of these so-called, you know, metal was all, a really broad term in the 80s. You know, and even there was bands mm. that were from the 70s that people, you know, in the 80s were calling calling Led Zeppelin metal. You know what I mean? Well, when it's, when, as, a, as a genre, when when it's new, there's, mm. a, there's a certain amount of just trying to figure out, what, okay, are you in this group or are you not in this oh, group? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. It's to... You know, we when we think of like Judas Priest, uh, uh, stained glass, or or hellbent for leather, we go, yeah, that's metal. But we go screaming when we listen to Screaming for Vengeance. We go, yeah, that's metal. That's you know the what definition. I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, because it's uh, as you, you get a little ways into the the sort of the genesis of the genre, it concentrates and mm-hmm. it focuses. What, what it actually is and that's how you wind up with going like well they're a crossover band you know what i mean because because they're at the they're usually at the beginning of the development of the genre well yeah and if you t- speaking of priests and the satanic panic i mean you had the supposed back backwards message of do it do it you know and then you had like all the other backwards messages and then you know then you had motley crew who actually put a backwards message on Number of the Beast, I believe. What, or they put something. Did they intentionally put a backwards message on one of their songs? Um, Crew? No, I'm sorry. I think Wasp did. Wasp or somebody actually put like a backwards message on on their album. Oh. I don't remember which one. But anyway, it's okay. It's what was what was happening is when they were accusing bands of backmasking and these backwards messages. Um, I want to say it was the book Bang. Uh, there was the, the uh, Gavin Baddeley's history of heavy metal um, talked about a certain era where bands would consider, if not went ahead and did, backmasking on their own albums mm-hmm. as a gimmick to try to sell. But at one point in time, um, there was a lot of church groups that would sit with the rock album of the day or the, the big metal album that was out and just sit there in a room playing it backwards, trying to find something, find something that sounded like <laughs> smoke pot and kill your mother or whatever, you know, right. yeah. and they find, you know, they find it. And then, and then they would like sensationalize that and, you know, try to convince people that this band is, is evil because of that. And people would just, I, re- I remember so vividly in the you know, late, late eighties, early nineties, people looking for stuff, looking for shit from like, Oh, that guy's got a black t-shirt yeah. on stage. He yeah. must be in black magic. You know what I mean? Just really stretching to find something satanic or demonic or evil about any fucking band with guitars. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. Sensationalizing is that's exactly what it is. There's there's no other way for it to to sort of create uh, create controversy out of thin air. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's you know, would you ever have like a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend that just starts arguments out of nowhere? Yes. You know what I mean? It's, it's the like, same thing. It's the same fucking thing. It's just because, because I think the probably I would imagine there's a certain kind of there's a certain kind of I'm attracted and I thrive uh, in conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, to to the the people that were sort of pushing that end of the thing. I think you know for, probably for the most part the people that were most outspoken about these bands being you know, evil, quote unquote, bad, that sort of thing 
it had more to do with, you know, it's like a, it's, it's non-articulated knowledge. Yes. It's it's that they don't, they don't realize, you know, that there's probably something emanating directly from the core of them. That's probably adding fuel to the fire, you know? And then the, the thing is that, you know, the, the idea that, you know, music brings me so much joy in my life. It, it brings me, it brings me some of the, some of the, some of my most favorite memories and just times of my life are directly connected to, or, or the, the soundtrack to the, to those events and, and those things, stuff like that. Is that the, the idea that, you know, that so much music Granted that there probably is, there's legitimately music that does want you to engage in devil worship and do horrible things, uh, but that there's so much of it that is that way. And that's just not the case. You know, you can't, you can't make that, you you know, you can't argue in favor, you know, narrow down the field of the field of what you're trying to say is legitimately bad for you. Narrow it down and give me like, give me like half a dozen bands. (laughs) You know, not a hundred, not fifty. Narrow it down to the ones you legitimately feel like are an issue, and mm-hmm. even those in and of itself, as it relates to the bands that sort of orbited around the idea of the satanic panic. There's not really; they just were into smoking pot and having sex with people. That's that's pretty much all it is. Yeah, what yeah. I've told people before is like, I want to say maybe when I was in high school, somebody was talking to me. I was really, I was wearing an obituary cause of death shirt, right? And somebody was talking to me about like, you're into that, that kill your mother shit. And I hate how people, they, for some weird reason, the low hanging fruit for the way to describe violent music is by calling it that kill your mother shit. You know, have you, have you ever heard that before? They always say that. It's, oh yeah, that's that, that's that kill your mother shit. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, why are you projecting that on me? And that's what comes to your mind when you see, you know, obituary um, cause of death or whatever. But uh, they were talking about certain bands like Cannibal Corpse, Obituary, and Slayer, and this and this, saying this thing about this, this, and this. I said, let me tell you something. If these people were actually doing these things, they would not have record deals. They would not be on <laughs> magazine covers. They would be in fucking prison, yeah, you know, yeah, or hiding yeah, out I- in a bunker. Well, I think the <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. I think the the thing about you know, bands that bands that gravitate towards writing about the macabre, uh the quote unquote darker side of life, you know, that sort of thing. I think it's I think almost like like I was talking about it at an inarticulated knowledge level. We have a, I think we have a need as, 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 as a species, I guess, I don't know, maybe as a species, but as, as just as people that it's important for us to be able to flirt with and to explore darker themes, because when we can do that, we, we can understand the, the totality of who we are as, as people, mm-hmm. you know, as, as just how we work, that sort of thing. Because if you, if you don't, if you don't wrap your 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 sort of head around that sort of idea, what you're talking about is is, is essentially exploring the idea of your shadow. You know, if you yeah, want to yeah. go if you want to go with psychological terms, the mm-hmm. your your willingness to explore that and to be able to integrate that 
that part of you into your your person, your everyday being, I guess, per se, whatever, yeah. whatever you want to call it, to be able to integrate your shadow into who you are as a person allows you to function at a better level level. And if if you're unable to do that, it's it's literal disintegration. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. It's not being able to not being able to sort of complete yourself as an entity, as a free thinking sort of entity. And when you can't do that, guess what does happen? You you do those horrible things that Cannibal yeah, Corpse yeah. Sync talks about. Now, the good thing is most people are able to do it, whether they're conscious of it or not, because it's it's part of the process of life. It's part of your your mental development, your intellectual development, that sort of thing. And mm -hmm. I think it's, it's in it's indicative of where the people the the people that sort of wave the banner for the satanic panic that you know these bands are bad these bands are bad probably more on the disintegrated end of the spectrum yeah, yeah. you know what i mean we we joke we joked about on the music the lightblood podcast a while back when we were talking about tipper gore and the pmrc that tipper gore is probably probably got some issues <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? She's she's focused on she's focused on some bad stuff, but at the same time, I get what you're trying to do. I get it. I understand it from that standpoint, but ah, your execution has not been the most amazing in the world. And you know, the the people that fixate on stuff like that, there's in my opinion a genuine sort of pathology as it relates to 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 mental health and things like that. If you're going to get so fixated on like I said, creating something out of thin air Yeah. that what, what, you know, I feel like it's those times where we can look at it and go, uh -huh, that's a bad idea. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that's what metal as a collective community did at that time. That's why they, we, we, the, I don't want to say we, cause I was super young. I was born in 79, but that's why at the time the satanic panic was happening through that whole decade plus whatever it was. You could see it was the collective group, the cultural group of people that assign a sort of identity, a partial identity to the idea of metal of them going, no, 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 you don't get it. You don't yeah, yeah. get it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't get it. And we spent a long time having to be our own best advocates in that regard. And in that, it's draining. Because yeah, you're, yeah. you're you're essentially paying, you're having to pay the entry price entry price of a game you're not playing. Yeah. yeah. Oh you're, God. You're, yeah. You're at the mercy. You're at the mercy of a of a of a of a sort of sickening, like a, a a gross, distorted version of a dungeon master. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's you're being you're having to play a game that you you weren't involved when in, in 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 the first place because there's this sort of like i said this disintegrated sort of notion of people not understanding the value of exploring the macabre and the dark the yeah. that that sort of thing and when you can't see the inherent value of that you're you're at a loss you're just well, you're well, at a loss there's nothing you can do just like what you just said, it's, it's like if you've ever been in a situation where if like you, there's a person, you're not even giving them a second thought and you're just like, whatever, but this person is so mad at you. They just fucking just, they give, they, they stare dag daggers at you. Yeah. They're just, they're, every thought is God, fuck Dustin, fuck this guy. I can't believe he did that. Da, 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 da. 
and you didn't even do anything or you didn't, you don't know what you did, but this person's mad at you, but you're not giving them, you don't, they're not even on your radar, but this person, then they finally come at you and you're just like, dude, and you're like, that wasn't me. Oh shit. Really? I just spent the past six months fucking hating you and <laughs> cursing you. Like, no, that wasn't me. Right. Or right. if right. you did something and someone just like, okay, Dustin, I, you're, you're straight edge, man. Oh, fucking pisses me off so, so badly that you're straight. You're going around fucking being drug free and, and not worrying about getting high and God it just pisses me off. But the whole time you're just kind of like, you're not, you're wanting to buy records. You're wanting to go to work. You want to hang out with your wife. But this person's thinking that because you're straight as you're sitting here thinking, what can I do to these people that drink? Uh, how can I bum out a stoner? Um, <laughs> you know, but you're, you're not, you're right, not going to get a thought. Right, so right. the way that these, these people that were trying to, to exacerbate the satanic panic, they were like, you know, um, you know, like Tommy Lee, I'm going to, I'm going to bring him down. Tommy Lee's getting, getting blown and getting drunk as fuck, not even thinking about the devil at all. While somebody is sitting here going, that fucking guy is probably on his knees in a fucking dirty garage somewhere, spray painting a pentagram on the floor and throwing goat meat in there and rolling around <laughs> in it. But he's getting blown in a fucking hot tub and not even thinking about the devil or anything. So, can, right. you know? so right. it's just like you said, it's a disintegration. It's, a, it's a, so dis, disassociated. Like like with when, uh, when Tipper Gore and them wanted to say that Under the Blade by uh, Twisted Sister was some sadomasochistic song. When it was about some dude in the, the band, dentist, right? It was one of the guys in the band going to the dentist, I think. Yeah, throat surgery or mouth surgery of some sort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it's just, yeah. and they're just kind of like, "What? No." <laughs> <laughs> That's my whole reaction to the whole satanic panic. What? No. <laughs> Where did you get that? What? The fuck? No. Are you on the dope? Yeah. That is the worst interpretation I've ever. <laughs> no, I just i I think it's you know. It's the same thing. I think <laughs> it manifests differently. Everybody knows, everybody knows if you go visit any of the Music the Lifeblood social media, you'll see how much I bristle at the social justice warrior culture. <laughs> at how much I do not approve of it. How much I don't like it. And like I said, you're it's because you they it's because they're they're taking casualties of war. Left and right, so to speak. They're forcing you to play a game that you did. I I don't want to play the game, but they're you're literally they're trying to actively force you to play the game, and it's it's like the same thing. It's it might be just I, to me they're they're just as you know the so, the social justice warrior culture and the people that were pushing the the waving the banner of the satanic panic they're just as exclusive the and, ju thing, and just as predatory as as the other they're they're both mm -hmm. awful just awful awful things this i think is it, our i mean i'm sorry to cut you off but i mean if you think about it dude, the satanic panic you had like but what but what from like 85 to 90 you know I put saying? I put it like eighty one to ninety three. Okay, so right. we're we're in a certain from probably about two thousand twelve into like probably I don't know how long it's going to last, but I mean, with what what you said the social justice thing and people being attacked for being quote unquote Nazis and people being attacked for being you know um, white nationalists or whatever uh, based on an assumption um, a. Uh, a buzzword in an article or what something that just go, Oh, I read this one thing. I'm not going to look any further deeper. I'm not going to 
Ask the person, yeah. what do you believe? Character. It's the same, it's the same character, fucking thing. Character assassination, yep. discredit, do everything you can. Yeah. Once it's yeah. a one-sided yeah. battle, actually. Because the yeah, people that and it's want, it's you know it it moves, it moves and beats and and twists and turns just the same as the the people that were screaming, you know, these bands are satanic, they're evil. Don't mm -hmm. let your kids listen to them. It's the it's just different, it's just different language, same yeah. approach. The, the different different sort of you know i don't know makeup nah, construction but it's it's still the same sort of execution it's 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 just oh you know what i mean it's 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 exclusive it's exclusive as opposed to inclusive which to me is interesting because when it comes to metal i think yes there is a there's a there there is a shitty, snobby side to metal culture, absolutely. And you and I do that. We do it. Mm -hmm. we, make, we make fun of bands. We make fun of people for liking bands. You know what I mean? That sort of thing. But there's a sort of general sort of good-natured ribbing that's that's allowed and or appreciated within metal, that sort of thing. Yeah. But but the the sort of... There's a there's a very inclusive nature to metal, even even back then, as the as the culture surrounding metal was sort of forming and congealing and sort of solidifying that sort of thing, even with it being in its sort of newborn, you know, adolescent stages as a as a culture developing that there there was still there there is a inclusive thread that runs through all of metal. Yeah. And I think I think it's interesting to have had something like the satanic panic happen because it is so um it levels it levels the the accusation of uh in in a, in an exclusive way and that you don't want your kids a part of this. You don't want you don't want them to have anything to do with this because it is all bad. And yeah. in in reality, when we look back at it now, metal is a good thing. You know what I mean? Meta, the the development of metal as a culture runs concurrent with with the 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 development of metal as a genre of music. That it's 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 changed in a way. There's still common threads that run through it, and it it allows for people to be able to access into it to be able to join into it to sort of hop into the stream and swim you know so to speak it's it, there is a there is a very inclusive nature to metal but looking from the outside in there there are exclusive elements but it's nothing to the degree that i think that that the 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 people waving the banner of the satanic panic would have liked to have thought it had yeah. it has it they they wanted it to think that it was much less positive and and had much much less of of sort of positive reaches out into the culture at large you know because well, i mean how how else do you have that variety when it comes to metal as a genre how else do you have that variety of 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 subgenres and 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 the 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 sort of unique approach to the creative process that sort of thing that is involved with that and the reason you have that is because the the neat thing about metal is that we're able to sort of flesh out the the bat 
we're we're able we're able to separate separate the wheat from the the chaff, so to speak, as a culture on at a whole, because we under we understand. Okay, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. But at the same time, there's a little bit of that exclusivity in that we'll go. Yeah, that's bullshit. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, you know what I mean? That's that's stupid. We don't want people punching people at shows. That sucks. Get rid yeah. of it. Get it weeded it, out. It all breaks off into factions. Um, like you said, there's so many bands, especially during that era of, you know, the throughout the eighties that had this these anthems, these u- unity anthems, like us against them, or sure. we're all, you know, we're all in this together kind of thing, like like uh like like warlocks, all we are, you know, all we are, we are all we need, you know, like, you know, Doro, she was such a, uh, a champion for metal, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, she was like, I've always thought of her as a female Dio. Dio was all about like, you know, we're all metal children. We're all rock and roll children. You know, this is us, this is us against them. I'm here for you. If you're here for me kind of thing. But at the same time, you know, they saw like, a, a black demon with a priest in a in a lake on the Holy Diver album cover, right. and when that the song Holy Diver is about heroin, you know, so it was kind of like he was. It was a cautionary tale, but like, okay, well, Dio's got like a a demon. But the one thing I always hated was if somebody's showing you a demon, someone is saying Satan. That means oh, you are sa- you are demonic, you are satanic. Well. Yeah. Just like you watch a, a you know a horror movie, you see a guy killing somebody. Clive Barker makes a, a film with people getting murdered. Doesn't mean that Clive Barker is a murderer. You know he's exercising his own demons. He's showing people their darker sides. Sure. It's a refle- reflection of people's psyche. You know, and I think that metal music is like that. And I think the, the reason why metal metal is just a line of demarcation between metal music at one point in time and the mainstream is because the mainstream was like a safe place, you know, I can turn on the radio and I can hear a top 40 song. Cause I know that there's millions of other people that are digging these 40 songs too. So I'm good. And then the metal crowd was like, well, you know what? Fuck those 40 songs. Fuck all those people <laughs> like that. This is our shit. So at the same time, this is a rallying cry to unite, but this is our shit. That's their shit. Fuck their shit. Our shit's better. Oh, you want to come in and listen to our shit? You're not good enough to listen to our shit. You know what I mean? And then you and then you get like the satanic bands, bands that wanted like the dark evil imagery. And it was kind of like, okay, well, you know what? We're gonna make it really fucking hard for you to be included in what we're doing because we're fucking we're dark and evil. If you're dark and evil, come hang out with us. If you're not, go, you know, go fucking listen to White Lion. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> so that's it, just like just to reiterate what you said. I mean, it's it's just like that. And what's fucked up is the people that were kind of like pushing the satanic panic, doing these talk shows trying to expose all this stuff, they were not fucking included. They weren't invited to the fucking party, so they wanted to fucking call the cops on our party. Man. You know what I'm saying? Like, they want to fucking, like, oh, they're having a great fucking time doing shit that they want to fucking do, so let's fuck it up for them because I really wish I could fucking be as free as they are. Yeah. Well, I just, I, the thing that bothers me about it is that we should, we're, yeah, we're getting close to wrapping it up. But the, the, thing, the thing that bothers me uh, so much is that it's it's being it's being trumpeted as virtue. Yes, as yeah, yeah. as a as a the you know the 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 moral the you know the moral high ground. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that, sure. 
that that this, I'm safe because at least this, I'm not doing that shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the the interesting thing about it is like, man, there's a lot of stuff in heavy and aggressive music that that all kinds of different walks of life and value systems and and understandings and interpretations of the world at large can find something to be able to latch on to. Yeah. You know, the the fact that you know the fact that I feel so vehemently different than a lot of the people that that are that I that I listen to that I ingest their art I consume their art is is probably a testament to how um sort of unifying and um and we can all kind of find common ground in a creative outlet so to speak mm -hmm. i think that that says more than more than anything you know what i mean there's you know there's there's bands where they're all like please stop talking just just play the fucking song please yeah. please stop tweeting about the election Please stop tweeting about the president. <laughs> Doesn't matter which president it is. You you don't. Oh my God! Please shut up. You know what I mean? That's this is what runs through my head all the time. But I still can go. Yeah, that's a good fucking album. Well, yeah. You know, to me, you can find music, you can find you can find common ground. Yeah, I go to music because I want to get the fuck out of that shit. I want to get the fuck away from politics. I want to get away away from everything. You know, and yeah, there's political messages and stuff like that, socio-political and social messages and personal messages and music, blah, you know, but like my thing is I'll listen to something that might have a political uh, or some sort of agenda. And if the music is good enough and it, you know, it appeals to my ears and my brain and my, you know, my whole being and like, oh shit, that whole song he was singing about that, I had no idea. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. It doesn't yeah. matter to me. You know, yeah. that's kind of always been me, you know, and there's not there's really nothing it's gonna sound horrible to say to a lot of people, but like honestly, there's I don't really give a shit nine times out of ten what somebody's singing about, to be honest with you. If I can if I do sort of connect with it, then even better. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's funny, like me being straight edge. A lot of straight edge music I can't fucking stand because I don't want to be, I don't want songs singing about something that's old hat. I'm like, yeah, fuck it, yeah, I'm straight edge. I don't want to, I don't want a song about straight edge because, because yeah. yep. to me it's too, it's it's right here. I'm fucking every day in my fucking skin and my blood. I'm a straight edge dude, so it's kind of like, yeah, fucking let's whatever. But at the same time, I contradict myself because, yeah, cool, they're a fucking straight edge band. I don't give a shit. That's fucking great. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. fucking. Yeah seek things out because of what they're singing about yeah well i think i think a lot of people a lot of people listen to music for different reasons sometimes people listen to music to escape the mundane yeah you know they want they mm -hmm. want something that will excite them to get away from the mundane and then at the same time there's people that listen to music because they want to escape chaos and disorder mm -hmm. and the the bad you know, the bad side of life. They want to get away from that. And it's weird. It's interesting how it manifests in different, um, your, your sort of, um, your temperamental proclivities, so to speak, that yeah. the way, the way that that manifests and that I might, you know, someone might listen to Fiona Apple and be like, this, this, this is fucking exciting. I love this song. You know what I mean? This, it just makes me want to do push-ups. <laughs> you know, but there might be somebody else's all like, I just, I want to forget about my girlfriend for a while. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting because it, it strikes a different chord with everybody. The, but 
you know, kind of tying it back to the to the the satanic panic. The the interesting thing is, you know, I wonder I wonder if a lot of those bands wrote the music. How, how much? How many of those bands actually wrote the music uh, under the sort of umbrella of the accusations that they were having pinned on their chest? And I, my guess is that it's probably a very low percentage. Yeah, you know, there's there's very few bands that are that are you know uh, flying the flag for overt actual devil worship. <laughs> it's just it's just not it's not out there. It's just not it's not a common thing. But yeah. Anyway. Well, Kronos even said at one time, like on an interview, that he's not satanic. From yeah, Venom. yeah, yeah. And that's like Tom, that's like Tom Araya saying, is from Tom Araya from Slayer saying, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Catholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said he's not a satanist. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It's just interesting to see the to be able to 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 be able to detach yourself and not be um personally invested in the art you create at a level that it is just a pure reflection of what your values are and things like that that's why that's why george corpse grinder can sing cannibal corpse lyrics and go home and go to the park with his kids you know what i mean he's a a disney he's he's obsessed with christmas and disney and he sings fuck with a knife yeah and you know here's here's something that maybe we should touch on in the next episode the whole concept of separating the art from the artist. Mm, yeah, 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 because yeah. Well, well, and we'll we'll talk about black metal. <laughs> yes, no, for sure. Because you, you get you get you get into some dangerous grounds because there's certain things where, like, okay, you get accused of supporting certain things, just yeah. like with the satanic panic. It's like yep. you know, you know, I've seen shows where a kid, you know, they get like a group of kids sitting on a stage, and this guy in a in a in a sweater and a tie is like so. Tell me about your T-shirt. What does it say on T-shirt? It's like uh, says Metallica. Well, what's what, what's Metallica, man? You know, and it's like back in the '80s or whatever. You know, it's just like, well, Metallica is about aggression. It's about uh, about fucking, you know, just doing what you want, you know, and being metal. Yeah. Okay, so what's that all about? And then you know, because the kid doesn't fucking know. He just knows it's awesome. He just knows it's fucking rad, and he just yeah. knows it's cool yeah. as shit. Makes yeah. him fucking feel awesome. That's all he knows, but the fucking the dude sitting there on the on the teen talk show wants the kid to fucking have some depth and be profound about Metallica. Fuck no. He's like he digs the way they headbang and they play fucking they play fast and you know yell a lot. Yeah. That's what the kid fucking yeah. likes, you yeah. know. And so the satanic panic was people assuming that these motherfuckers that were like getting a, you know possessed by the shit or whatever actually were looking deep. The kids weren't fucking looking deep into it. They were just digging it because it was a release. That was it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a good that yeah, that would probably be a good that'd be a good episode. Yeah, we should do that. Ooh. Yeah. Talk danger. about danger. I like danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm sure it'll get kind of interesting given how um libertarian you and I are. <laughs> you can have that one. I'm the, 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 the whole verdict is still out on what the fuck I would even call my shit. So yeah, yeah, so, good point. Yeah, we'll go I with. Just, I say I I say I I usually go with libertarian because I do not identify as as a, a liberal anymore because I do not think what is being called liberalism is liberalism. I won't I won't do it. I don't like it. Nope. Yeah, I'm trying so like hard it. to live outside of all of it, but it just keeps pulling me back in. 
Yeah, it's hard to you get know? away from it sometimes. Everybody wants to talk about it and everybody wants your opinion and wants to it's constant. It's it's people constantly checking your pulse mm-hmm. to make sure that you're still on their side. Yeah, you know? and then and you know when it when it doesn't, you know, you know that's not the reason we should be talking about this, right? You know what I mean? It's like And then when people approach you assuming that you believe certain things just yeah. by your appearance yeah. or yeah. what they might have seen you yeah. post online and like it's just kind of like, no, no. Where did you even get that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Just, it's, it's funny how people arrive at the, the decisions and the, the, the way that they, they think people are the, the process by which they arrive at that. So I'm yeah, we'll do it the, all out. Yeah, we'll, do, we'll do it. Right. We'll do, we'll do that for next episode. That's a good one. That'd be a good one. Cool, man. So, okay. All right, guys, that is it. That's another episode of music. The light bloods cumber fate cumber cumber conversations conversations from the pit rapping music the light blood something old something new what are you listening to bathory satan